Lord Jesus, take my words this morning and speak through them. Take our hearts this morning and speak to them. Holy Spirit, bring transformation to our hearts through your living word. All for the glory of your powerful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. This has been a challenging season of car issues for my family. Many of you are aware of the ongoing challenges in recent months that my family has been having with our automobiles. It started back in April when Danny's car died in Naples, Florida. Also, at the same time in April, I was rear-ended in my car by a student at my children's school. In the next month, May, Kim's minivan engine died, and we were faced with the choice to replace the engine or replace the car. So we chose to replace the engine, and since that day, we've been having ongoing issues with the replacement engine, which is now set to be re-replaced this week. In the midst of all of that, on Tuesday, July 3rd, on my way home from church, I was rear-ended on Phillips Highway in our minivan. And that's the story that I want to tell you this morning. So I had left the church. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. And I was going along with traffic on Phillips Highway, going north. There was some room between me and the car in front of me, but not a lot of room. And a large pickup truck decided to pull out in front of me into the space between the two cars, forcing me to slow down. Now, I know you all can relate. That was a huge inconvenience to me, having to slow down and let this other car in. Suddenly, as I'm driving, I'm now mad because of the inconvenience, because I had to slow down. Well, I wanted to make sure that the driver of the truck in front of me was aware that he had inconvenienced me. And I made the decision to, as I slowed down, get kind of close to his bumper. Well, it was at that point that he noticed me and he slammed on his brakes. He did a brake check on me. And then he proceeded to continue to drive slow, holding me up and the cars behind me. I decided at that point, I'm going to drive around this turkey and just be done with him. And you all know what happened next. When I accelerated, he accelerated, and he kept me from passing him. And as he drove beside me, he rolled down his window and began yelling at me. It was at that point I knew I was in way over my head. At that point, I regretted my actions that instigated this turkey. Following him too closely, I decided I wanted no more of this. I decided I was going to slow down, let him pass me, and then be done with him. So I began to slow down, and as I applied my brakes and looked in my rearview mirror, I realized he wasn't just yelling at me from beside. He was starting to chase me and pull in behind me. So, of course, as I slowed down, and he's racing up behind me, he tried to avoid hitting me, but he hit the rear end of my car and made contact. So we get out of our cars, and after yelling at me because it was my fault, because I had slowed down, he calmed down a little bit. We exchanged information and left. Well, I got home. I called his insurance company. And it was at that point I realized he had given me information on an insurance policy that had expired. 
Now, my story there has direct relevance to our reading from Paul's letter to the first century church in Ephesus. And I invite you to turn there right now. We're in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4, page 978 in the Pew Bibles, or turn to Ephesians 4 in your own Bibles. We're beginning with verse 17. I'm going to have three points this morning. The old life, the new life, and the decision. You may recall from my sermon last week, Paul is writing this letter to followers of Jesus, to the church in Ephesus, to those who have believed in Jesus as Messiah and Savior. Now, last week's theme was growing in faith. And if you missed that sermon, you can listen online from our podcasts. Growing in faith. As in the first part of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul challenged the church to grow together in faith. Just as our mission statement declares, we're to know Christ and grow together. To no longer be like immature children, but to mature and to be transformed. As in verse 15, Paul writes, they might grow up in every way into him who is the head. Jesus Christ. And Paul continues his message to the church with verse 17 as he describes our first point, the old life. So verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You must no longer walk or you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, or as the world around you does. Paul indicates clearly to the church that as they live their new lives of faith, they will live and walk differently than the world. Now take a look at verses 17 and 18, and you'll see three characteristics of the way the world lives. So verse 17, No longer walk as the Gentiles do, First characteristic, in the futility of their minds. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding. There's the second. And they are alienated from the life of God. There's the third characteristic. And Paul uses Greek words that are rich with meaning in these definitions or in these descriptions. The futility of their minds. Futility, vanity, devoid of truth, depravity and perverseness. They are darkened in their understanding. They're becoming darker and darker. They're blinded. And what is darkened? Their process for reasoning, their understanding. They're alienated. It says in verse 18, they're alienated from the life of God. They're estranged. They're cut off from fellowship and intimacy with God. This does not paint a pretty picture for anyone living that life. And then, as we continue in verse 18, what do we see is the reason for that condition? They're alienated from the life of God because the Greek word there declares what I'm now going to say is the cause of what came before. They are this way because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
It's because of ignorance and because of their hard hearts. Ignorance, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. And hardness of heart that literally can be translated blindness, covered with a callous, dulled in perception or stubbornness. Their ignorance is in turn caused by their hard hearts no longer feeling. And in that condition, verse 19, they have become callous and they have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. They've given themselves up to sensuality and impurity, not just a little bit, but to every kind of impurity, Paul writes, with a greediness for more. In these three verses, we witness an entirely empty life, a sense of emptiness and hopelessness due to darkness and alienation from God. And here we also see the desire to look for something to satisfy that emptiness and that hopelessness. They're reaching out after sensuality and impurity, hoping that it will help. And we know that it doesn't. So what does Paul then say in verse 20? But that is not the way you learned Christ. Paul says, that's not you anymore. That's not the way you learned Christ. And the way that Paul uses the Greek verb meaning to learn moves well beyond just learning information about Christ. Paul's use of that verb instead declares here learning a person learning Christ. And his implication is that factual learning is not sufficient here. The goal is to know Christ personally, to learn Christ. Learning the living Christ and ordering one's own life to follow and please him, that is the new life. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. As this Second half of verse 21 declares, as the truth is in Jesus. And Paul's use of truth here stands in stark contrast with what came before, what's false and deceptive. Truth here marks reality in Christ, in contrast with deception and lies. And that truth, that new life, is found only in Jesus Christ. Well, Paul continues, declaring that as one learns Christ, it will be naturally required, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. One must, one must lay aside or put away the old person whose futility is described in the previous verses. 
So we've discussed our first point, the old life, and this brings us to our second point, the new life. Paul implores the church, make the decision to put off that old, corrupt self. In verse 33, or 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then verse 24, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. You're to put off the old self and put on the new person who is in Christ. So I want to summarize what we've covered here. Before one knows Christ, or has faith in Christ, one is hopeless and lost, alienated from any new life in God, due to their own hard hearts, their futile minds, and their darkened understanding. That is the old person. When one learns Christ through faith in him, knowing Christ personally, they're moved into the process of being renewed in the spirit of their minds. And only then are they able to choose to put on the new person, their new self created after the likeness of God, Jesus Christ in true righteousness and holiness. And there you have our third point, the decision. Paul's challenge to the church and to those following Jesus is to make the decision, put off the old life, be renewed through faith in the spirit of their minds, and then to put on and live their new lives, directed by the truth and real life only found in Jesus Christ. Now, it's crucial that you understand here that Paul's point about being renewed is not a singular act that just happens. Paul clearly describes being renewed as a process, a daily process, to continue throughout the life of the believer. Therefore, you are never finished being renewed. And this is where we return to the old story the previous story of my old self taking the wheel as I was driving. In my story, <laughs> I think it's pretty easy to see my own example of never being finished with the process of being renewed and the fact that the old self must daily be dealt with. Now, I know Christ. I know and I've put my faith and trust in him as Messiah and Savior. I know Jesus' example to me of not sinning in his anger, of loving and praying for those who wronged and persecuted him, of turning the other cheek, and of living God's life and thereby living as a witness to the world of new life in God. And at the same time, in the moments where my buttons are pushed, when I'm weak and short-tempered, I continue to struggle to keep my new self in control. I continue to struggle to reject the ignorance and callousness inherent in my old self. Looking back on that story, my failure began with my own sense of entitlement, entitlement and importance. 
in my right to not have to slow down and let the other car pull in. I had already had a full day. I deserved my place in traffic. I deserved to get home as quickly as possible. I didn't have to. I didn't want to let anyone else in. And there you have it. It was all about me. My old self who deserves to get home fast, no matter what the traffic. My old self, who deserves to keep going fast and not have to be inconvenienced by ridiculous people who drive the speed limit in the left lane. My old self, who lashes out with unkind comments toward drivers, whether in my head or sometimes verbally. Just ask my kids. Towards anyone who might infringe on my right, my right to go at my own pace and get home in my timing. How did my old self serve me that day? Not well. That's right. It almost got me killed. If the other driver had not just glanced off me, if he had hit me solidly, he either would have pushed my minivan into a spin or I would have gone off the road into a ditch. In either case, I would have been in much worse condition. I also could have been injured by the other road-raging driver as we got out of her cars as he was so angry. I thank God for protecting me. As it is, I got really lucky. I simply got to repair my dented bumper on my own with a little assistance from a pro, and I got to learn a very painful lesson. In that moment, when I was cut off, I had a choice. I could have acknowledged my old self in my mind, feeling the anger rise, and I could have chosen to put him off. Instead, putting on the new self, simply slowing down, letting him pull in. I could have chosen to pray for my own angry reaction. Gosh, Lord, I've got a short fuse right now. Help me not to take this anger out on my family when I get home. I could have prayed and asked for God's peace in that moment. Even better, I could have prayed for the other driver if he did not know Christ already, to know Christ, for God to reveal himself to him. And if he did know Christ, for God to bless him. Not to pray the normal prayer that I pray, which is, God, bring justice and let him have his just due. Now, that's never helpful. Following Jesus is a daily process of being renewed of being transformed, of growing in our ability to put off the old self, deciding instead to walk and live our new lives in Christ. As he daily walks with you, as he daily strengthens you, renews you, and changes you to be more like him. Why is it such a struggle to put off the old self in those moments? The old self that's corrupted, that's empty when we know the benefits that we have in our new life in Christ, benefits that are not available to the old self. Clearly in sight in my story is the fact that one may believe in Jesus. One may know a lot about Jesus. One may even desire to follow him and at the same time, still choose daily to walk through life with the old self, unchanged and unrenewed. 
The point here being, you are not instantly changed and transformed when you put your faith in Jesus. Don't get me wrong. The gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is completed at the decision of faith. When you kneel before the Lord Jesus Christ, when you submit your heart to him, you ask him to forgive your sins and you turn to him as Messiah and Savior, you receive salvation. And at that point begins the process of growing in faith, of being renewed in the spirit of your mind, the process of sanctification. You're not instantly changed and transformed. We see that. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be writing this letter to the church. Paul wouldn't have to say to the church who had faith in Jesus, stop walking as the Gentiles do. Put off your old self. And it's the same for you and for me. It's therefore possible to receive salvation through faith and belief in Jesus Christ and then continue to live a life that stays in the old self, that gives in to the fight, that lives darkened in understanding, alienated from the new life that God offers you through his renewal and transformation, alienated from his presence and his peace. And that's a really sad an empty existence. Knowing the new hope, knowing the renewal of mind, knowing the healing of brokenness that were offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing the companion of relationship as we're restored into right relationship into God's presence. Knowing the new life that God offers you. Why would one choose the old life? Knowing the new life offered, why would you not put off the old and make the decision to put on the new life, daily being renewed? I close with a question. Where are you today? Today you may be living outside of new life in Jesus Christ. You may have never turned to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. You may be fully immersed in the old self, darkened, estranged from God. If that's you today, I pray that God will continue to draw you toward yourself. I pray that today you'll hear the futility of the old self. And you will give your heart and your life to Jesus. You will put on the new self and you will now allow him to begin to renew your mind. Perhaps this morning you have a saving faith in Jesus, but you've given up the fight to live the new life. Instead of choosing to put off the old self, you're choosing instead to indulge the old self in areas of your life, living an unrenewed life. If you're in either of those two categories, I pray today you will make the decision to follow Christ. To put off the old, the hopeless, the futile, the darkened, the lost self and daily choose to put on the new self 
putting your faith in Jesus Christ and Savior and following Him and allowing Him to renew your mind. I pray that you will get involved in our community life here at Redeemer because we need each other in this struggle with the old self and the new self. I need you to be praying for me. Yeah, I knew I'd hear an amen. And I know you need me praying for you. We need each other. I need to hear from you. Bill, that was really stupid. I need to be encouraged and held accountable by you. We need each other in this life of faith. I pray that you will choose to get involved in our community community life here at Redeemer, that you will choose to allow others to know you, to know where you struggle with the old life, so that you will be known by others and they will be known by you, so that you can pray for each other and support each other. That is the church. I pray you will stay after church for fellowship, to get to know others and be known. I pray you'll join our disciple classes on Sunday And Wednesday, our discipleship classes. Pray you'll join a small group that is a follower of Jesus here. Together, we will know Christ. Together, we will grow together in faith. And together, we will go into the world to be witnesses for the new life that we have. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.